to Alone at the Table. This is a podcast where I play solo RPGs, and I invite you to come along for the experience. I'm Audrey. Today's game is A Visit to San Sibilia by Peter Eich. This is a game that I had heard a lot about, and I've owned it for a long time, so I was excited to get around to playing it. As always, I'll give you an overview of the game and a little bit of the setting info, but not a whole lot because I do want to encourage you to buy the game. I will link the itch.io page where you can do so in the description of the episode. A Visit to San Sibilia is a solo journaling game in which you roleplay a character chronicling their visit to the city of San Sibilia. It is a city not found on any maps. This game requires a journal or a way to document your trip, a writing utensil, a deck of playing cards with no jokers, and a six-sided die. Optional, but I did use one. This is a pretty short and sweet document. It has a really beautiful design style that was very evocative of the setting. It's only 14 pages long, and it contains plenty in those 14 pages. So you're first introduced to San Sibilia. This city never changes. This city never stays the same. There's a brief paragraph describing a few different touchstones of the city. I was particularly drawn to the art district style of La Bohemine and the factory workers living quarters of Bislow. You may have seen San Sibilia on a map a long time ago when you were browsing the atlas in your mother's study, but when you checked the book later, the city had disappeared. They give a few examples of how you might have found out about a city that exists but doesn't exist and that manifests differently for every visitor. I learned my lesson from editing the Alone Among the Stars episode, which is to say that for this journaling game, I journaled in advance, so there won't be long pauses that I have to edit out of this episode, and instead you'll get a more streamlined experience as I read the entries back. These are, however, unedited entries. I don't refine it for the story at all, So you're getting my raw playthrough pretty much as raw as it comes short of actually being live. The way that this game works is you roll a d6 after you arrive in San Sibilia. That tells you how many days have passed since your last journal entry. Again, that's an optional mechanic, but I did use it. I thought it was very fun. And then after that, it's fairly straightforward. You're drawing cards from your deck with prompts that are given to you based upon the color of the card or and the card's value. These combined in really interesting ways by having a table that gave you an adjective and then a table that gave you an activity. Now, my favorite thing I think about this game was the mechanic for ending the game. Essentially, when you draw two cards of the same suit or of the same value, so two spades or two threes, something changes and there's a list of what these changes are. They might be to the city or they might be to you. They might be positive, they might be negative. And once you have four of those, the game is over and you write your final journal entry where you talk about leaving San Sibilia. So here's how my visit went. I made my character by rolling on two tables for an adjective and an occupation and came up with a curious merchant named August Sorensen. 
the name is just my own creation. There was no mechanic for making your name. You're given some questions to start your visit, and that's day one, and then you proceed from there. Day one. At last I come to the city I have dreamed of since childhood, San Sibilia. The tales my governess told were clearly meant only as bedtime stories, but I knew there was truth at their root. It would be falsehood to say I found the city, but does anyone truly arrive here without luck? For myself, I was fortunate enough to be traveling with some fellow merchants after Mayfair. A storm took us on the road, sheets of rain so thick one could scarcely see their hand in front of their face. But when it cleared, the city was on the horizon. There was no mistaking its silhouette. Fortunately, Mayfair is only the start of my selling season, so I have a full pack for any weather or circumstance. Some of our number dismissed the city as a fool's errand, so we bid them farewell. The rest of us, myself, Samael and his wife, and the Greenwood family, have found affordable, if cramped, rooms at a boarding house. The proprietor bore more than a passing resemblance to Mr. Offing back home. They are brothers, as it turns out. How strange the ways of fate. Of course, I am guilty for sending no word to Mama Lucius. Little claim he has over my heart, notwithstanding. But there must be a postbox in this city. A destination for the morrow. Day 4 As I set about exploring the city, my pocket was picked. Unbeknownst to the thief, I followed her to her hideaway, and was promptly accosted by the much older and larger miscreants. As luck might have it, we got to talking about the city's secrets, and that led them to disclose a location in Bislow that houses a soothsayer. In return, I gave them some of my wares, mostly clothing. Oh well. Day 5 All did not go as I hoped. It was perhaps foolish of me to take a scruffy bunch of street thieves at their word, but curiosity got the better of me. I arrived at the alley they spoke of around dusk. Many an askance look was cast my way by the workers returning to their homes. Still, I waited. I waited long past dark, till I could no longer ignore the grumbling of my stomach. And so, back to La Bohemine, I walked. Dinner was excellent, per usual, but that was not the end of my evening. As the moon rose to its acme and I stepped back onto the street, I noted the presence of hooded figures in the shadows. They did not approach, but more than once I swore I saw the glint of light on a blade. I do not know why they watch me. I can only assume it is related to the thieves. I am reluctant to sleep this night though the candle burns low. Day 11 It has been nigh on a week since I last wrote. I still see hooded figures around corners, but perhaps it is only my imagination. I scan the broadsheets for news of some strange conspiracy to no avail. Only one item caught my eye, and it may yet prove unremarkable. 
A brief mention of a fire that claimed both buildings on either side of the alley I meant to visit. Day 16 I wander La Bohemine most days, now that all others from the merchant caravan have left. I moved from the boarding house to a flat near the river. It costs a fortune, but who knows how long I will be able to stay. My nerves settle more each day, after no trouble from the threatening figures, but today I did wonder, briefly, if I had badly misjudged the situation. I was at a poetry reading at an extravagant salon. The usual suspects I have come to know at such events had all finished. One final performer took the stage, a dark veil shrouding them from view. What happened next, I cannot explain. I am not, nor have I ever been, a person of particular poetry. But the words spoken, it was as though I saw precisely where their counterparts would fit. I spoke them aloud before I could stop myself, and thus turned the performance into a duet. The poet, the true poet, took it in stride, almost as if it were an expected outcome. I could hear the smile in their voice. It seems my name is circulating now, and for reasons I could never have predicted. What magic came over me, I wonder? Day 21 My plan to lay low after the poetry reading has gone amiss. I could hardly refuse an invitation from the poet who inspired me to join in. How was I to know they were a Dominix, and one of a family known for their... scandalous activities? It was merely a walk through the green, but the broadsheets make it sound far more sinister. We were not plotting. I have broken my pen in my fervor. Day 24 People whisper when I go out now. The market trip I made this morning was full of the sensation of being watched. Stranger still, I told a woman at a stall of ribbons that she was glowing, and for an eye blink, she was. Literally, not figuratively. What is it about this city that enables the extraordinary? Day 29 Another stroll through the park, this time without the Dominics, brought me past a quartet of cellists. The music was divine. I am not a person of religious inclination, but I would swear I saw angelic light haloing the musicians. Perhaps it was presumptuous of me that I was struck again with the queer knowing and wrote some lyrics for the composition, sealed in an envelope with a tip. Day 32 I thought to find a tome about magic and the history of this city, but my trip to the bookshop was fruitless. Every book I picked up bore the same title and author, Lady Henrietta's Little Book of Etiquette by Basil Harrington. The shopkeep hadn't a clue what I was talking about. Exceedingly strange. Day 38 I have given myself over to scandal, rumors be damned. This time, it was I who called upon the Dominics. I tell myself I sought them out, hoping they might have answers about the strangeness I have encountered in this city, and maybe that was even true, but I think perhaps I had deluded even myself. 
the Dominics invited me to accompany them at the Harvest Bacchanal, a nonsensical name for a midsummer festival, and I, a fool, accepted. I have not even seen the Dominics' face, and yet I feel such an incandescent connection that my heart threatens to burst. Perhaps it is the newest result of the uncanny compulsion the city draws out in me. Never before would I have claimed to be a passionate person. But I care not the source. I am besotted. Day 42 I am in too deep to turn back now. The Dominics, I suppose I have earned the right to call them by their given name, Alucard, invited me on a river walk, and everything has changed. I have been part and parcel to an intricate plot started from the first week when I encountered the pickpocket. The Dominics has explained it all, save for the city's magic. Apparently, none can explain that. By no fault of my own, I became an object of interest to both the Dominics and their people, and a bitter rival of theirs. The street ruffians were the Dominix's people, as was the murdered soothsayer. I don't suppose I realized she had been murdered. The shadowed figures that followed. The rivals. What they feared I had uncovered, I know not. The Dominix publicly making their favor of me known drove them off. I ought to be wounded by the vastness of this secret, I think. But as I strolled arm in arm with the Dominics along the river, I found I did not care. Instead, I felt only the same wonder I felt upon first seeing San Sibilia. Day 48 The cloaked figures are back. They do not keep to the shadows any longer. A trio of them played a funeral dirge in La Bohemine on one of the many stages, but when I turned back to look, they were gone. Day 49 I have received an impossible missive. Mum is dead. She has been for nigh on five years. This is impossible. I have been in the city not even three months. But Lucius would not lie. Not about this. I am leaving. Today. Now. I took only my notebook from the flat. I will not leave word for the Dominics. I cannot bear to be convinced to stay. Somehow I think the city will not mind me going, party as I have been to the happenings far larger than I even know. I hope, I pray even, that I will not lose the magic that rooted in me in my time here. Perhaps I will return one day. But first, I must leave. So that was my playthrough of A Visit to San Sibilia. I kind of like how it took several turns and gave me a lot of opportunity to tie back to previous events. Just for a couple examples of the cards I drew, on day four I drew 
hopeful as my adjective and then meeting with ruffians as my event, which was very fun. And I got my first double suit immediately the following entry, which was kind of interesting. That happened very quickly. I got a 10 of spades, which gave me the adjective distant, and an 8 of spades, which gave me the encounter at midnight. And I turned that into the weirdness with the cloaked figures after dinner. Because two spades in a row gives you the change, the city moves against you. So I wanted it to feel really threatening. This is definitely a game that has a lot of replay value. I had a lot of fun with it. I think that there are so many outcomes and the city is just defined enough, but just changeable enough that you can do a lot with it. I do want to mention some of the touchstones that were listed in the credits and acknowledgements. Literary influences include the Viraconium stories by M. John Harrison, the Ambergris books by Jeff Vandermeer, The Etched City by K.J. Bishop, and Thunderer by Felix Gilman. I haven't read any of those, and the only one of those authors that I'm familiar with is Jeff Vandermeer, whose stuff doesn't really appeal to me, but this game appealed, so I might have to give it another look. Once again, this game was called A Visit to San Sibilia. It was written by Peter Eich who goes by the name Jimmy Shelter on itch.io. So I will link the shop in the episode description as usual. And I'll post a photo of my setup just because I think it looks neat. You can find Alone at the Table on Tumblr at Lady Tabletop because I don't have a dedicated account for this show and I might not ever. But if that changes, people listening will be the first to know. Alone at the Table is part of the Moonshot Podcast Network, a community of creators and entertainers making podcasts and streaming content. You can check out more cool podcasts from Moonshot at moonshotpods.com. Thanks to Riley for today's game suggestion. If you want to submit a suggestion for a game that I should play on this podcast, please reach out to me at ladytabletop.tumblr.com. That's all I have for today. Thanks for coming along, and I hope you enjoyed the experience. Nicole was your typical hopeless romantic, moonlighting as a fanfiction writer. Claudia was a hard-headed activist with a YouTube channel and the mysterious past. When Nicole hit a deep funk in her writing, Claudia suggests one of her hidden passions, romance novels. Now the two have fallen into a world of endless handsome hunks, doe-eyed damsels, and lascivious lovers. It is now their sacred duty to rank these novels on three criteria. Their steaminess. I had to fan myself off. Their dreaminess. She's not missing anything without him, but he makes her life better. And their meaniness. Cal wouldn't be in some small town pie eating contest. That's not why he left me. <laughs> Join our heroines every other week as they overcome unhealthy relationship archetypes, thesaurus abusing authors, and anatomical inaccuracies to prove that love can conquer all on the Three Little Words Podcast, only on the Moonshot Network.